Jesus. You're all that we need. All our lives. You never fail us. Your love for us is all we need. In this life and to the next. You've prepared it all. Nothing we can do. Except to love and obey you and follow you. Pick up our cross and walk that narrow way. There's some sad things in the Bible. And when you tell us about the narrow way, the next verse is, few find it. Lord, I pray for everyone in this auditorium today, tonight. We'll find it. I pray for a double anointing to be on our precious pastor as he comes here with his heart full of love and instruction and desiring to teach us who you are and that we'll never leave this place the same as we come into it. We'll examine our hearts. Lord, you look at our hearts. Nothing else matters, how clever we are or what colour we are or who we are. Nothing matters. You look at our hearts. Lord, I pray that everyone here will leave with a changed heart tonight. A heart that will say, here I am, like Isaiah, here I am, send me. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity that we come each week and that our beloved pastor spends time to get the right message to give us each week. Bless him, bless his family. In Jesus' name, amen. How are we all today?
How are we all today? We're ready? Uh, can we just put the aircon down a bit, please? And don't, and, uh, don't breathe too hard. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll just, yeah, if we can just put the aircon down. When it gets a bit warmer, we'll just put it on again. Who's ready for today? It's good. <laughs> Just want to share with you how, uh, by the grace of our Lord Jesus, how this message <laughs> every week is ordained by God. Um, I had a rest. I had a rest this afternoon, <laughs> probably around four thirty to five o'clock. I had a little rest. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak in my dream. Three times he said, obedience is what I desire. And it's interesting that this message that I'm going to preach today is regarding this. So prepare your hearts, every person here. We're not looking for a quick fix here. We're looking for God to establish us. Amen. We don't want to flirt with the Holy Spirit or we don't want to flirt with the power. We want to be established on the right foundation. Amen. Because you'll never suffer after that or you'll never struggle in your journey after that. Very important that you know this. Now, I shared before that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. That was after he was a young boy in the temple. I showed you something with 30 years of, 30 years of living for three years of glory. Shows you that God's interested more in the structure of your life than what he can do through your life. He's, he's more interested in how he can birth you and mature you to become who you truly called to be. Meaning don't rush your prayer life, don't rush the process, but identify and die to the right things. Don't die to the wrong things. So from this teaching, you're going to get a good foundation about how to actually, or how to understand what God's actually interested with, or what He's interested in. I also have a um, Holy Spirit spoke to me this week regarding a beautiful prophetic prophecy from the Old Testament that confirms the new. I'm going to share it with you today. It's unbelievable. By God's grace, later on, I'm going to write a book about all the revelations he actually spoke to me from the old to the new. That gives more glory to Jesus. He really does. I got excited when I saw this one. I said, well, when you're actually hungry for Jesus, he rewards you to know him more. The reward is to know him more. No blessing is greater than knowing him more. When you know him more, you naturally surrender. 
We go to James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. So how many pillars does wisdom have? What are we up to this week? Which number? Four. <laughs> We're up to the fourth principle. I encourage everyone here uh, to get a glimpse of that teaching because it's a healthy foundation for you to grow on the right foundation. So let's read it here. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. That's what I'm speaking about today. What does that actually mean from the original scriptures? It's pretty, pretty powerful. Uh, full of mercy and good fruits and without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So let's have a look now and look at this teaching, amazing teaching. What does it mean to be willing to yield? Does anyone want to... When you read that without looking into the depth of the scripture, what comes to you willing to yield? Anyone here want to say something? What does it mean to yield? To give in? I can't hear. To be refined? Surrender? Submission? Anyone else? Uh, I can't hear one at a time. Press into? Abide? Willing to yield. Now, this is regarding wisdom. Fruitful. Fruitful. What's that, sir? Take on what? The truth. Anyone else want to have a go? Do his works. Oh, submit. Yeah. I can't, I can't hear you, sorry. Lean into. Lean into. Be teachable. Abide. Produce. Be found faithful. Let's look into it now. But they're all, they're all solid. They're all solid answers. But let's look into it. Now it's, it's very powerful. So are we ready? So the word willing to use, whoever is following me, it's from the Strong's 2138. And the word is yopathis. 
right? It sounds right. Your pathos. Your pathis. <laughs> Look, at least I make you laugh. Your pathis. So that's what the word in the Greek defines. And the word defines, let's listen, it defines as easily obeying and compliant. Okay? Another definition. <clears throat> Obedience is defined as to trust and to respect. Another definition. Obedience defines to position oneself under someone by submitting to their authority and commands. Now, this is the punchline here. Obedience comes from the Latin word meaning to hear. To hear. Let's go to First Kings chapter 3, verse 7 to 14. Now, this is very interesting. I preached this a long time ago, but I'm going in a deeper... <clears throat> so you remember, everyone remembers this here, yes? Does everyone remember this story? Anyone here? So let's read it here. It says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me servant, king, instead of my father David. Who is his, who is his who's speaking here? Solomon. But I am a little child. Isn't that interesting that we have seven levels of Christianity today? What's the first one? Babe. Why did he say a little child? He's not a baby. He's talking about the level of his growth. We understanding? The scripture is beautiful because it's inscripted everywhere. So for a babe, a babe, he, he begins... What does a babe do? He craves the pure milk of? Next, wisdom is crucial. Because for you to progress from a babe to a little child, you need wisdom. And here, he's asking for wisdom. But let me speak about it. He says, but I am a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. To where? Go in and come out into where? Where does he want to go and come in from? Anyone? He wants to go into a, like a jumping castle or something? Where does he want to go out and come into? The house of the Lord. He wants to go into the house of the Lord. Today, for Christianity today, what's it called? The throne of God. We have authority to enter that place. Okay? So here, he's telling, he's telling God, I struggle to actually, I struggle with something. And it's for all of us here as well. Now, Lord, my God, you, you've made me servant, king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. 
and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful here? That it talks about, what did Paul say about children? Children have trained themselves to discern what? So from a little child to a child, he has received wisdom or discernment to actually discern good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now he asked for an understanding heart. Okay, pay attention to this. This speech pleased the Lord. That Solomon has asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself an understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. Now, isn't that beautiful? Uh, go back there. Sorry. Uh, sorry, go to 13. And I have also given you what you have not asked. Isn't that interesting? That when you focus on the things of the Lord, you don't even have to ask Him for the rest. You don't even have to ask Him for anything. He knows how to bless a person who focuses on the right things. The question you have to ask yourself today, am I focusing on this very thing here? Because you can get caught up in the things that you need where they're found in where? In the wisdom of God. Where are they found? They're found in the wisdom and understanding heart. Are we awake, anyone? Your, your blessings are found on two major keys in Christianity, wisdom and understanding. Think about that. Take a step back and think about that. What's, with, what's withholding all of God's blessings, spiritual and the physical, are birthed in wisdom and understanding. What's withholding the whole of heaven to come upon your life are these two keys. Think about that. How many people here want solutions, want breakthroughs, want results, want fruits, want all the benefits of God and His kingdom? How many? Everyone here, right? They're found in these two major keys. Just think about that. I can't tell you how important this is. <clears throat> and it's just a beautiful picture that when you focus and you work on the right things, He looks after every area of your life. So what does an understanding heart mean? 
this is what we're going to search to do. Now we're ready. <laughs> it's actually very interesting, this one. So an understanding ha means samma, in, uh, we know in Arabic, we say at samma. What does that mean? To hear. To hear. What does Jesus say? My sheep. And they. And I. And I. Give them eternal life. Now let's look at something a bit more different. The word Samma in the Hebrews 8085, that's the word. The first word means to hear. The second word means to be obedient. This, the third word means to discern. Remember, discern both good and evil. The fourth one means to consent. Isn't it interesting, Christianity today? How Christianity today is forced. Forced to pray, forced to read full of rules, full of obligations, full of principles. It's just a grind to walk with God. There, uh, eight out of ten people every week, why aren't you reading your Bible? Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you doing the things of Christ? Uh, it's interesting here. Like, to have an understanding heart, you've laid down your life. You're not in a battle... Uh, to do the simple things of what it means to be a believer. So, so, so if you can see this, the opposite of consent is to actually wrestle, to struggle, to actually withhold your life. But I'm not looking at that one. It's the next one that I'm worried about. The next one gives me such a clarity why people struggle to hear God's voice. You, you want to know? Are you ready? Yeah. Lord, give me wisdom. So the Lord replied with this comment here. To be content. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that when you're content, you stop fighting for the things of the world? When you're content, you stop asking for the things of the world. You focus on God's principle, which is understanding and wisdom. Interesting that one, to be content. How many, how many people are content with their life? That's the problem. We always have a list of our demands and the things that we need. The moment that you're content with Christ alone, your life begins to take shape. But we've become a people, uh, how can I say it? We're always demanding, we're always needing, we're always wanting. We're always in need. Christ has to be the one who you're content with. Isn't it interesting that God wants you to hear his voice? And the f one of the first major areas that he begins to work on is contentment in your life. Just think about that. 90% of Christianity today, their prayer life is because of discontentment. They always find a way not to be content in their heart. Whether it be spiritual blessings, physical blessings, it always hides behind the discontentment. 
And it's another thing also why people struggle to hear God's voice because they're not content in their heart. Isn't it interesting that God needs a heart that's content to teach? But that's not my message. My message here is the second one, to be obedient. So let me tell you something here. This is something that you have to understand. If you can't be obedient to God's word, then you will not hear the Holy Spirit, which surpasses and begins to become living in your life. If you can't be... uh, if you can't be obedient with the natural word of God, you cannot receive a rhema. Because faith comes by hearing, that's a rhema. That's a living, inspired word of God. So, I have a little treasure for you. How did, where, who put Solomon to sleep? Who put Solomon to sleep when God was speaking to him? Who put him to sleep when he was tired, when God was blessing him? Solomon spoke to him, uh, God spoke to Solomon. Solomon was asleep, then he woke up with that wisdom. There's a picture in the New Testament that I'm going to show you. Can we all turn there, please? We go to Luke chapter 9. I'm just jumping just to... Or actually, we'll go to First Samuel. We'll go to First Samuel chapter seventeen, verse twelve to fifteen. I want to show you this spiritual picture. I want to show you this picture. I want to show you this picture that the Holy Spirit showed me while I was studying. Literally, I went to (laughs) how the Holy Spirit navigated it for me. The Holy Spirit showed me this picture of Jesus. And I want to read it to you. It says, Now David was the son of a Prithiite, named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. Okay? Pay attention to this here. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's times, he was very old. So David was the youngest, David was the youngest of them all. But there was eight sons. He was the youngest. Okay? I just want to connect it to you to show you how powerful Jesus Christ is. David was the youngest, the three oldest, the three oldest followed Saul. Okay, next scripture. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now this is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ, but he's going to fulfill something in the New Testament. But I just want to bless you with it. Next one. For 40 days the Philistines came forward every morning, evening, and took his stand. Now, isn't it interesting? This is a picture when Jesus fasted for 40 days. 
fighting Satan and conquering the battle over him. Now, now we'll stop there. We'll stop there. Can we go back to... I'll go to the names. I'd like to go to the names. So the three sons... Uh, can we just go to the next scripture? Yeah. So um, go back to the sons, to the brother's name. Yeah. Okay, here. Okay. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab. The second was Abinab. And the third was Shammah. Okay. Now, I want to I I show you something here. I want to show you the meaning of each name. And then show you in the New Testament how Jesus fulfilled it. And that he fought the whole battle for us. So, the name Eliab, the name Eliab means to stand out. The name Ebinadab, the father of generosity and to freely give. Okay? Pay attention. And the word Shamma is a wonderful thing. Okay, now pay attention. Here, he's showing us here that there's something that's going to be... There's eight sons, remember? There's eight sons. One of them is... Uh, the first one, he's going to stand out, Eliab. The second, Abinab, the father of generosity and to freely give. And Shamma means a wonderful thing. Okay? Saw, saw means to charge or counsel or to wish. Now, I want to show you this here, what the Holy Spirit showed me. It's a beautiful picture. We go to Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. You see this? How many sons did they... Did they um, uh, David was part of eight. Look at this here. God is showing from the Old Testament who, who, who was actually, actually going to go and fight that war for us was Jesus Christ. He stood back and tended to his father's sheep. He went back 40 days and he fought the whole battle for all of us here. Wait. About eight days after, Jesus said, this. He took Peter, John, and James. How many did they take up to do the war? Three sons. Look. And went up onto the mountain to pray. Keep going. Uh, sorry, go back. Go back. He took Peter, John, and James. Okay? So Eliab means to stand out. Peter means a rock. Abinadab means the father of generosity and to freely give. John means Jehovah is a gracious giver. Can you see the picture? It's amazing. Eh? Um, James, James means, uh, so Shammah means a wonderful thing. James means a supplanter. A supplanter means taking the place of someone or something that was there first. He took their place. And it's interesting, Jesus went back for 40 days fighting the devil for all of us here. 
How victorious we are is way beyond us. But it's, it's birthed through obedience to him. Now look at this here. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went unto the mountain to pray. Next. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You see those three names? He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. Isn't it interesting that Jesus already fasted here 40 days? He went to tend back to his father's sheep. He went back and got us all and fought the devil of all our lives. Now, the most beautiful thing now is how to reap those rewards is not by a name itself, is by obedience to him. But I wanted to bless you with that picture. Eight means a new beginning after the death of Jesus Christ, and eight means a new creation or the true circumcision of the heart from the Old Testament. So you see that picture of Jesus from the old to the new? It's beautiful, right? Jesus paid it for us. Yes, there's power in the name and there's power in, in the way we walk because that truly declares that we have received him. So, isn't it interesting that King David was a man after God's heart? He is Jesus Christ. King David is Jesus Christ. He took the adultery of Israel, symbolic of why he slept with Bathsheba. He took her adultery upon himself, and he ransomed us all. Everything is spiritual. He took the adultery of Israel and the whole world upon himself, and he destroyed everyone. Very powerful. So let's go through the scripture. Let's go through the scripture. What God wanted from the beginning to now, he has not changed. He hasn't changed. From the old to the new, he hasn't changed. But God lives in us now. Jesus ransomed us. 
But what he wanted from mankind to now has not changed. And I want you to see this. We go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 to 17, very quickly. I'm going to go through these scriptures quickly to establish what God wanted. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely, unconditionally eat the fruit from every tree of the garden. But only from the tree of knowledge, recognition of good and evil, you shall not eat. Otherwise, on the day that you eat from it, you shall most certainly die because of your disobedience. So what did God want from the beginning? He wanted obedience. And Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. We have no excuse anymore. Because he lives in us now. Greater is the one who is in us then. We have no excuse anymore. Anything after that is, a f is willful sin. Willful ignorance, willful rebellion, willful pride. It's willful now. Paul said, I sinned out of ignorance. That was before the cross. Anything after the cross is willful. Sorry to burst your bubble. Anything you do after this, it's willful. What does it mean to do something willful? You know deep down in your heart what you're actually doing. Willful disobedience, willful rebellion, willful pride, willful unbelief, it's willful now. And the reason why so many people are struggling because they don't take responsibility of what they're actually doing. Genesis chapter 22, verse 15 to 18. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done these things and have not withheld your son, your only son. It's a picture of Jesus here. Keep going. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of the enemies. Now, a lot of people say we are under the blessing of Abraham. It's because it's a type and shadow of Christ crucified. That's why we are under that blessing. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have... Nothing has changed. Let's go. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3 to 6. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. Now, can you hear the same language that God is speaking from a mountain? God is speaking. God is speaking to us. The same pattern, if you can understand this, you will focus on the right things. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, 
and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for the, all the earth is mine. Isn't that interesting? He says all the earth, not the world. All the earth is ours. Why? Because we can be controlled by God now. He doesn't say the world. The world is not ours. The earth of where we put our feet on it is ours. Next scripture. Exodus 23, 20 to 27. I want to go through this quickly. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Now, even angels from God to angels, they speak the same language. Just to show you that in heaven, nothing has changed to this day. God is after obedience more than anything. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Isn't that interesting? Who is he speaking about? Who is he speaking about? Can anyone tell me now? For my name is in him. Who is he speaking about here? Anyone? Holy Spirit. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. That when he comes, don't grieve him. <laughs> Can you see the picture? <laughs> Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that's in us now. It's a type and shadow of when you receive the Holy Spirit. Don't provoke him by living for your old nature. And feeding your old nature. God, God, the Holy Spirit's in you. Think about this. God, the Holy Spirit's in you. God, the Holy Spirit's in you. Think about that. God, the Holy Spirit's in you. Just think, just think about that itself. You're not your own. So these are the types and shadows of when the Holy Spirit does come. Isn't it interesting that when the Holy Spirit does come, what is he looking for? Obedience. Nothing's changed. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1 to 4. Bless you. Bless you. <clears throat> now, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, there are many in the churches today. They're dreamers. You know why? Because they're missing out on what God is truly trying to do in believers. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. How does that fit in our, in our church society today? The God of who is destroying people today? 
The God of who? The God of Mammon. There is another God in Christianity today, it's called the God of Mammon. The God of money. <laughs> He's not talking about someone who's evil just walking down the street. Satan's well structured. Part of Christianity has become a circus. But he's actually prepared us. Now, yes, God wants us to be blessed. First is obedience. If you're best without obedience, then, unfortunately, you've bowed down to the enemy. Because according to the scripture, all blessings follow an obedient heart. And I'm not here to pick on you. Isn't that interesting? Let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of the, that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep all his commandments and... You shall serve him and hold fast to him. Now, nothing has changed from the old to the new. I'm going to show you. But you begin to see, am I establishing the right foundation as a believer? Is my heart to follow Christ in obedience to him? Because nothing else matters. doesn't matter which denomination you come from. doesn't matter which church title you have. It doesn't matter. So don't try to trap me with whatever theology you want. God wants you to be obedient to Him. Because when the Son of Man is lifted up, He will draw people to who? To your denomination or to this church? He will draw people to Himself. That's the truth. So why does God test you? Satan tempts you, God tests you. Why does he test you? To see if you love him. So when we lift our hands, Lord, we love you, Lord, we love you. He only measures that by the way that you respond to giving in to the world. That's how he measures it. Words are cheap these days. It's actually cheap. I love you, Lord, and I'll follow you wherever you go. He has to test you to see if you really mean it. Joshua chapter 5, verse 6. Here you find out why all the people in the wilderness died. It's a long verse, eh, for one verse. <laughs> For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not what? Obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Now that's a picture of Jesus when he fasted for 40 days. He made that way for us. Thank you, Jesus. He made that way for us. 
So it's very important that you understand from today to be obedient to Him. It's not by might, not by strength. It's by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to you for this reason, to establish you in obedience to God. You must recognize this as a believer. So, they were destroyed because of disobedience. Next scripture. This is a good one. They're all good, but this is an extra special one. 1 Samuel chapter 15, chapter 15, verse 22 to 24. Now King Saul fell because he feared the people more than God and obeyed their voice. Did he start like that? Did Saul start like that? He started in obedience to God. But then the fear of man, what does the fear of man produce? It produces a snare, a trap. So look what it says here. So Samuel said, has the Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Now he's showing you here. Imagine you sacrifice your life. How do you sacrifice your life today? Uh, fast, give things for the poor people. Imagine you're good at doing that without establishing the, more, the most important foundation that I'm actually walking in obedience to Him. These things mean nothing anymore. Imagine you're a good giver to the poor or to the homeless and to be cheerful from your heart. And imagine you're good at fasting and doing the right things that God wants you to do, yet in your heart you're not obedient to Him. You've established nothing. That's when deception comes. Because obedience is birthed by hearing His voice and obeying it. So look what it says here. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion, isn't it interesting here now? For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In Christianity today, suffering. Because rebellion tells you that I'm hearing my own voice. And I'm following my own ways that seem right to me. Are we listening, someone? The Bible says this, there is a way that seems right to man, but at the end its path is what? Death. That's why you can't take your eyes off God's word. I feel it's good. I have peace. So many people tell me, yeah, I have peace. I don't feel like I'm getting attacked in any way. So many things that come from the enemy, I have peace. I don't feel like I'm fearful. It has to be God. You go back to the written word of God first. Then if you struggle with that, then you go to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> For rebellion. Rebellion tells you I have, a, I have a new way. I've discovered a new way to live. And it seems pleasant and good to me. For rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. 
Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your words, because I feed the people and obeyed their voice. Wow. Wow, there is another voice that this world brings you, and it tells you that you're crazy for serving God. They tell you there must be something not right with you. <laughs> and it starts in your family, it starts in your relatives, it starts in your friends, and then you start to fear, I have to change, I can't stay like this lonely all my life, so you give in. This journey is too hard. I, I can't see all my life me walking with God like this. If everyone's doing it, then it's okay for me to do it this way. That's the problem with people today. Like a hurt and a pain in their heart, they quickly alter what they actually believe and they sell Jesus like Judas. Because I feed the people and I obey their voice. Isn't it interesting? One of Satan's greatest tactics in the beginning when you come to Christ, he bullies you. He gets your family. He can get even your spouse, unfortunately. He gets all the people around you to storm around you to cause the biggest attack over your life to make you believe you're doing something wrong. I had an encounter with Satan last week. And I was under warfare, probably for around seven days. And normally when I deal with these things, it lifts. I pray and it lifts. And for seven days I was praying, probably a good five hours every day. And it wouldn't lift. And I'm thinking to myself, something's going on. And... I closed my eyes, and this is not to scare you, but to show you the enemy. I closed my eyes, and I said, Holy Spirit, well, what's, happening? what's happening to me? And as I closed my eyes, this massive dragon came. I wasn't asleep. I just closed my eyes in that moment, and I, don't, I normally don't see like that. A massive dragon came. It was the size of a telegraph pole, and he was breathing fire on me. And I thought to myself, what do I say? Because it just came out of nowhere. And I opened my eyes, and he was still there. And the Holy Spirit said, the dragon, the great dragon, is waging war against you now. And as soon as I heard that voice, the dragon left straight away. But it's just to show you how the enemy is intimidated when we get a hold of the truth. When you get a hold of how to walk with Christ, he is so intimidated because he's exposed. He's actually exposed. I've never seen a dragon. And he was... I really believe they come to intimidate and try to scare. But we have authority in obedience. As long as you're obedient, there's no meat for him to eat in you. Are we understanding that? See, some of us or most of us still have a stench where he can find his prey. 
But the dragon come, he's come, the Holy Spirit, I heard him clear in an audible voice, he's come to wage war against you. You know why? Because I want to grow and I want to move forward in the spirit. And with that you fight ranks of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus. That realm and that dimension is far beyond us. And when you become spiritual beings, well, you become connected. Deuteronomy 28. I'll do 1 to 14. I won't speak about the other one. It's a bit too long. What's this regarding? This is regarding blessings and curses. Curses for disobedience and blessings for obedience. Now look what it says this. It says, Now shall come to pass, if you diligently obey what? The voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now this is a spiritual and a physical blessing for every believer today. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. What's that mean? Blessed be the fruit of your body. It means that he will keep you healthy. One of, one of the blessings of the cross is our inheritance to be full of good health. The produce of your ground and the increase of your herds the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Next one, please. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face they shall, come again, they shall come out against you one way and flee before you, you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as holy people to himself. Isn't that interesting? That he wants to establish you in holiness. Because he called us to live like saints. Just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the people of the earth shall, shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body. 
in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lead many, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above, you shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I commanded you this day, to the right or the left, to go after other gods and serve them. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Now, I'm not going to read this part. You can read it when you get home. <laughs> you can read it when you get home. <laughs> Nothing's changed from the old to the new. It hasn't changed. But something's changed in the New Testament. Because that's when God starts to get the whip out to discipline his people. <laughs> I'll show you this. I'll show you this. Thank God for the whip. Jeremiah 26, verse 13, quickly. Now therefore, amend your ways and your doings. What does it mean to amend? Change. Change which ways? That's, that, that's the whole point. Which ways do you need to change? <laughs> this is, that's, the, that's the question. What do I need to change in my life? That's when you start to pray, not with your tongue, you start to pray with your heart. Now therefore amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent concerning the doom that he has pronounced against you. Jeremiah 38, verse 20. You know the Bible says, to the humble, God shows himself to the, as humble, but to the shrewd, he shows himself as shrewd. You know, you think about it. Whatever you sow by what you feed is what returns to you. Nothing has actually changed. God is looking for obedience more than anything in the scriptures. And when you obey his voice, your whole life actually changes. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please, please, obey the voice of the Lord which I speak to you. So it shall be well with you, and your soul shall live. So obeying the voice of the Lord, what does he promise you? That your life will go well with you. Now, let's go to the New Testament.
Hebrews 12. People are thinking now, okay, which scripture he's going to bring for us from the New Testament? Hebrews 12, verse 18 to 29. Let's read it together. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them again. Now what voice is he speaking about? In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament when God was speaking to the people, yeah, they trembled and they told Moses, stop, we don't want to hear anymore. They were terrified. Even Moses was trembling with fear. So he's talking about that voice from the Old Testament. Those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all to the spirit of just man made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than not of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Now, you begin to listen now. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who speaks on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Where is he speaking from now? He's speaking from heaven. And what is he saying? What is he saying? Let's <laughs> read it whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yes, one more, once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. What is the baptism of fire? Let's go back one scripture. I preached about it a long time ago. The baptism of fire is, a, is so that we can serve God with reverence. What does reverence mean? Respect. What did that word understanding heart mean? To respect and to trust Him. 
and godly fear. So when you're undergoing a baptism of fire, you're not, you're not meant to, you, it's not meant to be forever. Anything that God does through your life is not meant to stay forever. You're not meant to get disciplined all your life. You're meant to get disciplined to learn His ways. When the baptism of fire comes upon you and you're in the season of the baptism of fire, it's to produce reverence and godly fear in your life. Now, if you fight and resist against that, yes, you will stay there forever. If you don't learn to humble yourself and to work with where the Holy Spirit's working with you, that situation that was meant to be temporary or for a little while extends itself to be forever. That's why so many people, when the Holy Spirit's trying to do something in their life, they're struggling to recognize where God wants to work in their life. And what is He trying to expose so they can be disciplined as believers? Next scripture. For our God is a consuming fire. So when fire, when fire touches your life, I used to always see fire in the beginning of my journey when I closed my eyes. And I always wondered that I'm seeing God in that season in my life of what He's actually trying to produce in me. Because when godly fear is operating in your life and godly respect is operating in your life, guess what happens? Guess what happens? You detach from the world. You detach from the devil. You detach from sin. You begin to understand what God wants to establish in us. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3 to 8. <clears throat> now look at this here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the, weapon, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. To where? All the discipline you go through was designed to do what in your life? That's up to you. See, some people don't want to establish themselves in obedience. They want to live a wild and a reckless life, an ignorant life. You pay the consequence for that. Keep going. And being ready to punish all disobedience when? When what, sorry? Can your obedience be fulfilled? Can your obedience be fulfilled? Yes or no? Yes. You see... Nothing that God does in whichever season you're in is meant to remain forever. So when people go through these certain things in their life, they tremble. What's happened to me? Wisdom tells you, Lord, I understand the area you're working on. I'm going to cooperate with you now. 
The others come running here, save me, deliver me, help me, protect me. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says, don't put your hand on them. <laughs> the Holy Spirit told me that many times. And I let people go. They have to fight it out. They have to walk it out themselves. This is part of the journey. Every person has to walk it out themselves. We can guide and assist you and help you so you can die more to the flesh. After that, I don't know how to help you. Nothing you go through is meant to, is meant to stay forever. Peter says, after you have suffered what? A little while. Nothing in your life is meant to last forever. But so many Christians get stuck. And then they suffer for a long while of time. Their personality, their mindset accepts that defeat, accepts that failure, accepts that hopelessness, accepts that brokenness, accepts the fact that they can't change. That's why Christianity today is so frail, frail. Because when situations come, they don't understand. So many people come to me, I have a, I have a sickness. I have a sickness. Okay, the sickness is not the problem. It's the fear is the problem. So, so the sickness surfaces so you can actually deal with that fear that's behind it. You understand? Let's say, you have a, let's say you have a mindset of poverty. Your business keeps getting attacked where something good that happens, something comes and steals it. Holy Spirit lets you struggle in that way so you can see you losing a job or you not making enough money or doors closing to you is not the job itself, not the money itself, it's the poverty mindset. So a lot of people, they don't look at things deeply. But we as spiritual beings have to see things deeply. And when you start to think like this, guess what happens? All those doors that's attracting the enemy, all those doors that are, that, are, that are allowing you to be weak and to suffer and to struggle, they close. They close in your life. But you have to see the bigger picture. If you don't see the bigger picture, you keep getting attacked and you don't know why. You don't know why. So a lot of my time fellowshipping and teaching people is this very thing. So my health is getting attacked. The Holy Spirit shows you. Please pray for my sickness. I want it to go away. The sickness is not the issue. Now, not every situation is the same. But I'm just trying to make you understand the real issue and what God wants to free you from inside your spirit. A poverty mindset where your business gets attacked or there's a restriction or there's a limit or there's a delay. Certain attacks on your life. You start to see where it's coming from. 
a mindset of failure, a mindset of disappointment. Certain things come where you're always prone to disappointment, prone to failure. It's because you have the fear of the future. So the Holy Spirit starts to uh, dig what's deeper inside, but it can only be exposed through the shallow things that are around you to show you what needs to be addressed in you. Attacks in your marriage. Attacks in your marriage. Let's say a father is getting attacked in their marriage. You straight, away, you straight away start to see it's an identity issue. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good husband. I don't know how um, I've lost all my confidence in my family. So the Holy Spirit takes you back to your childhood, how your father crushed you. And then he shows you that you're bringing the same mindset from a child into fathership now to raise your family. Everything is connected. But Christianity today, free me from this. I want to be free. See it before you want to be free. You understand this? Sarah? So this is how the Holy Spirit works in us. He touches these things and lets them surface. And they're on the, here, they come to the front. Jesus, heal me, Jesus. It's not like that. He wants you to see deeper. He can heal you overnight, it's finished, but he wants you to see the bigger issue that's inside. Because everyone struggles a different way. Job got sick, what I feared all my life's finally come upon me. There's different doors, different avenues that the enemy attacks. And it's never meant to be about the enemy. It's about God remapping, renewing yourself as a believer. So I didn't want to go there. I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I didn't even want to go there. But I'm just showing you how we see things shallow. And when things, when, when, when things happen, God is in control. He's actually in control. But He's, he's trying to get your... He's trying to get your attention. That's why so many people, when they sleep, they dream about all these things. It's because maybe the only time you can get your attention is when you're sleeping. So, so many people tell me their dreams, and I understand them, but it's a spiritual picture of what's happening in your spirit. So, most of the times where people struggle to hear God's voice, and, and But God wants you to hear. He comes in your dreams and He shows you what's happening around you so you can begin to understand. It's not Satan is attacking you. Satan doesn't wait to attack you in your sleep. He's actually been there the whole time. God's showing you where He's coming from. Satan doesn't wait for you to sleep so he can attack you. That's God showing you what's actually happening in your mind, what's happening in your spirit, so you can actually see it and begin to deal with it. So a lot of people, they struggle to, put, uh, they struggle to see what's happening spiritually in their life. So the sickness keeps on reoccurring. Attacks on their business, attacks on their financial Attacks on their lifestyle keeps occurring because they haven't seen the deeper issue. And I'm not saying to go and dig up everything now and start digging up and digging up. The Holy Spirit will work with you. 
Because let me tell you something in a simple form. Warfare follows anyone who, hasn't, who has unresolved issues. Warfare follows people who are, have unresolved issues in their heart. Unresolved. If it's solved and it's brought to the Lord, warfare stops. So I was back on that scripture. Did I finish Second Corinthians? I finished that one. Okay, we'll go to Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. I have three more scriptures and I'm done. Now, isn't it interesting that when you read when you read the epistles and you read all the letters, they all speak to different churches at different levels. This is one of the, the highest levels that Paul wrote his letters. Now, look at this. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Now, look what it says here. Which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for what? <laughs> Through him we have received the grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. Isn't that interesting? They were all looking for titles to be something or someone for the Lord. God is looking for one major principle. Just be obedient to him. <laughs> obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about the Roman church. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What does obedience lead to? To live as saints. To be holy. So obedience produces the spirit of holiness in your life. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Now this one's an interesting one. Now look at this, what it says here. One of the characteristics of that you are truly marked by Jesus and that you have truly received salvation from Jesus Christ. Look at this here. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always what? You have always what? Not, is it, not in my presence only, but how much more in my absence. Work out your what? With fear and trembling. 
What is the doorway to that? Obedience. Obedience. Mm. First Peter chapter one, verse fourteen. What does that say? This is New Testament now. <laughs> As what? As obedient children. What did, what did Solomon say? After a little child, you receive an understanding heart, you can become what? Child. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Isn't that interesting? That what continuously knocks on our door is the way that you used to live to bring it back into your life. You are to be aware of that. What does that tell you? That you have a good understanding of the things that you used to feed before Christ. That you're so aware... You're so active to have a guard and to protect yourself that you don't give in to the old ways of your life. Can you understand that? How many people today here are going back to their old way of thinking, old way of living, and old way of doing life? Because naturally you fall into a place that's called spiritual ignorance. And ignorance is a simple word. It's to ignore who you truly are now in Christ. Romans 6, last one, Romans six fifteen to 18. Look what it says here. What then? Shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as what? Obedient slaves. We could have used a better word there, but it's good. You are slaves of the one who you obey. Whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to what? Righteousness. What is our confidence today? Some, someone asked me, how do you gain confidence in the way that you walk? I'll tell you one thing. Confidence, according to the scripture, and according to any true believer or Christian, his confidence is by the way that he lives righteousness unto God. You pray with confidence and you see the results with confidence. But imagine you live in a disobedient life. You have no confidence. Go back one second. Unfortunately, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. And it's true. There's going to be another part of Christianity that are slaves to sin. They don't want to overcome sin. 
They don't know how to overcome sin. Jesus paid the ultimate price for that. You don't have to stay there. For all the people that are wrestling with sin, fighting against sin, living a life of disobedience, you can change. Jesus paid that price. You don't have to stay there anymore. You don't have to stay there anymore. But just understand one thing. To be a slave to sin is the most terrible place any Christian can live. And you become a slave to sin, prone to every attack of the enemy. Not only to get attacked, but your heart becomes more and more darker. Today, if it's you, change. It's not meant to be for us. Anything that God brings unto our life, whether it's discipline, whether it's purging, whether it's the baptism of fire, whether whatever God is doing, it's not meant to last for a long time. The Bible says that they failed to enter his rest because they couldn't learn his ways. Last scripture. I had this under somewhere. Revelations chapter 3, verse 20 to 22, and I finish. Thank you for being patient today. But I'll just share with you here. Is your journey based on obedience? Is that your fuel? Is that your food? Is that your direction in your heart? Because if it is, you will grow and you will prosper. Like all the blessings are found in obedience. Let's read this scripture. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who's speaking here? If anyone... Again, we're hearing his voice again. For, for, for what reason? Have you ever asked yourself, why does Jesus want you to hear his voice? Someone may say, or I may say, in the beginning of my journey, I wanted to hear his voice to know that he's with me. To know that he's never left me. And that's true. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. But there's something powerful that God wants to put in us here today. Look at this here. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he, now he's coming into a person's heart. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now he wants to eat something inside of you. Look here now. Look. What does he want to do inside of you? To him who to him that what? Yeah. You see? When you hear his voice, he's interested in one principle in your life. For you to overcome who? Overcome who? Overcome who? Overcome ourselves. <laughs> to overcome the devil. To overcome sin. To overcome the world. And all its desires in this world. So when you're looking for his voice, pay attention. Because what does this voice bring? What does this voice tell you? I want to hear your voice, Lord. What's that voice going to tell you? Conviction. Change your life. Don't do this anymore. They're the voices that you're going to hear. Someone will say, you preach this every week. 
Now you know the voice that I'm actually hearing. Now you know what I'm actually hearing. I'm hearing what's never changed. It's His Word. He's interested in change. For what? For you to overcome. Look what it says here. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. What about the ones who don't overcome? What happens to them? What happens to them? What happens to the people that don't overcome? What happens? Read it. Read it for yourself and see. Someone will say, I'm on dangerous grounds. Thank God. Thank God this conviction has come into your heart. Now you can begin to see what God really wants in your life. And to know that you get one chance to live for Christ. To the one who overcomes. What about the ones who don't overcome? Yeah, you begin to think deeply with your life now. It's not a game. The Holy Spirit has given to you as a deposit, guaranteeing your salvation to do what? For you to overcome. Pay attention now. Open your heart for Jesus. I'm not interested in denomination. I'm not interested in churches. I'm interested in this message. And that's the truth. Are you in the business of overcoming? Are you in the business of overcoming? Because not only is your salvation guaranteed, but all the blessings on earth will follow you. And yes, he is patient, not wanting anyone to what? Everyone to come to repentance. Yes, he's patient with you to your last breath. But just understand, this is the message of the gospel. And nothing has actually changed. The only thing that changed now is that your days are numbered. He's given you all this time to get right with God. So the people that say, Lord, come, Jesus, come. I said, you know why? Because there's so much in me that's still changing. And it's forever changing. And each day is a grace. It's borrowed time that you have to actually change. Because that's the message of the gospel. He loves us. But he gave us the Holy Spirit to produce in us what? Obedience, obedience that, leaves, that leads to righteous living. That's the message. What other message are you actually looking for? That is the message of the Lord. So he's standing at your door and he knocks to produce one major principle in your life for you to overcome the world. And when you overcome the world, you've overcome all the selfish desires that you used to live through from your old nature. This is the message cover to cover from Genesis to Revelation. This is the message. So is your desire for obedience that leads to righteousness? Because if it is, you're safe and you're on healthy ground. But if you're after something else, the rewards, the power, the hype, and the, you're in a dangerous place. Because everyone here, yes, is seeking the Lord. But just understand what he wants to do.
what he wants to do. The voice was designed for you to overcome. So thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. See, the siren's gone off already outside. It's 10 o'clock. Well. Where would you rather be? Thank you, Jesus. What do you need to overcome? You know, you know, sometimes his voice is that gentle. His voice is that gentle. Because his yoke is easy, his voice is so gentle. He does nothing out of forcing you. He only invites you. That's the best way I can describe when God wants to discipline me is that it's so inviting, it's never forceful. Paul said there is a sorrow that leads to repentance and there is a sorrow that leads to death. One cries victim without change, one cries with change. Just understand the bigger picture of the whole reason why God gave you the Holy Spirit. Please pay attention. The whole reason why God through Jesus Christ gave you the Holy Spirit was for you to focus on one major principle for you to overcome and to live righteously with the Lord is this your focus because God is bringing order in all of our lives his focus is to bring order in our lives so we can be obedient to our King and our God and to live righteously before him your necklace, your necklace of boldness and confidence is righteous living. When you know you're living righteously with the Lord, the Bible says you ask whatever you want, it will be done for you. Read it in all the New Testament teachings. It tells you about a heart that doesn't condemn, he can ask anything from the Lord. That's because of righteous living. And today we are to focus on this very thing that God wants from us. Not to be blessed, or not to get things from God, that's what God wants from us. He died to make us holy and to present us holy. We don't obey to get a blessing. We obey because that's God. Just understand that. It's something that He does in your heart. So open your hearts today. For all the people that are sick, uh, please come to the front. I pray for you. Just come stand over here, please. Just lift your hands to the Lord. And tell him from your heart that you want to change. To give you the grace, to give you the grace that you want to open the door for him.
so he can dine in with you, so you can obey his voice. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we give you all the glory. As we enter your throne of grace by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, we come to find mercy, grace and help in time of need. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that every person here opens their heart so they can obey your voice and follow you all the days of their life. Give them this grace, Lord, so they can open their hearts with you. Lord, if they are overwhelmed today because of your word and because of the message, give them grace, Lord, to digest this message. And for them to know that you meet them where they are, thank you for this grace, Lord. The, the Holy Spirit shows me there are people here overwhelmed. He will meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are. And he'll give you the grace to escape all the corruption of the flesh. You've got to want it. You've got to want it from your heart. And it will happen to your life. We love you, Jesus. And we honor you. Thank you for this borrowed time that we are on. Thank you that you've given us time to get our lives right with you. Give us the grace. Give us the courage so we can overcome through the Holy Spirit. Amen.